Welcome to the Coworkers Podcast with Jesse and Shaney, where every believer is a coworker in God's mission. Hello, friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. How are you doing this morning? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm on shirt number three yes. so far this morning. You had a good workout and you're still sweating. Yep. Takes me a while in this weather to stop sweating. I got up early and beat the crowd at the pool mm. and had some wonderful laps yeah. without having to run into people. I love sw- swimming in bath water. <laughs> it's so nice. It's really Refreshing. hot. Yeah. It's a shallow pool that doesn't work great when it does. there's lots of sun. Listen. Hey, part of this episode is about thankfulness. I am super thankful that I didn't have to swim in the pool this morning. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to take a little break from our series. Um, I think maybe it's been a little bit heavy for folks to listen to. Those are definitely heavy topics. Been heavy for me. Yeah. And taking a break from that, uh, the Are You Convinced series for a bit, just to talk about something that we feel like the Lord has been doing a little bit more immediately in our family life and specifically with Shaney, just to share about some things that the Lord has been walking her through over the past couple of weeks that we feel like is very relevant, very immediate to a lot of people who are on the field that go through just different seasons of maybe dealing with apathy, lack of motivation, dealing with feeling like you're overwhelmed. I think those are very common things. We've experienced them ourselves over the years and have seen a lot of our brothers and sisters here struggle with those things also. And so hoping to be able to provide a little bit of help to people. Maybe you're in the midst of this. Maybe one of these seasons is coming to you or it's just in the rear view. And for us to be able to encourage each other with this and the ways that the Lord has worked specifically in guiding Shaney through this over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm actually really excited to share about this because God has really turned around that season for me and I'm coming out of it. And I feel so thankful and I feel so much like oh my goodness, I could have gotten out of it faster if I would have done some things and just made some steps. Um, And so I, for the last couple months, up until just these last two weeks, where again, I felt like a turning point, but I felt a lot of tiredness, numbness, lack of motivation, lack of excitement for the work, and just a general sense of my heart and spirit and emotions like not being engaged in what I'm doing. And it was a slow slide probably into that. And and because there are lots of good things in my life, it didn't really seem to make sense. And it was easy for me to just kind of ignore it because it wasn't terrible. But realizing that over weeks and weeks of feeling that way and eventually getting to a point of seeing some more significant red flags in my life, it made me take it more seriously. And we had a and iron on iron, one of our meetings we have for our team where we kind of share how life and work and ministry is going and we sharpen each other. And through saying some of these out, out loud there to some of my teammates was part of the turning point. Yeah, it was a bit of the frog in the pot type situation, just a slow boil over time, I think, where it was clear. And, and as happens a lot of times when you say it out loud, that there's just some clarity that comes. And that was the experience from that iron on iron time in, the, in your group. For me, from my perspective, you know, that's a very rare thing. You are a very naturally motivated person. I'd say it's rare that those things, kind of that apathy starts to seep in, rare that you go through seasons like that. But I had started to notice some of those yellow flags along the way as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just that hyper productivity, uh, not really taking rest. 
I think it's interesting as a part of your personality too, that your yellow flags, I think, look a lot different than some people. You don't like... Binge. I don't stay in bed all day. You don't stay in bed. I mean, you don't, I don't like watch You don't Netflix. binge watch shows. It's not like you're... Yeah, th- those would be what I would say if we're thinking about kind of a normal caricature of people who are walking down that road. It's just less and less motivation overall. But it's like you become kind of hyper-productive in other things. In some ways, or yeah. you're just trying to make up so you don't have to sit and, and be quiet. Right. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of people like me mm-hmm. on the field. But I want to say from the beginning that there is a fix to this. And and that's why I want to share this. Like, I want to share some of those flags I saw. But I want to say from the very beginning that pursuing Jesus works and it changes us. So that's going to be where we're going in this episode. But yes, I don't think I was burnt out. I'll say that clearly. I think burnout is a very, very strong word that I use hesitantly. But I do think it's possible if I would have continued in the habits that I had fallen into that I probably would have gotten there and, and or made some bad choices and so that's why I think it's important to stop and notice these things. So yeah, one of the key yellow flags, as you called it, was like this obsession with productivity, getting my to-do list done, which is my personality, but this was like over the top, right? And a lack of taking a rest, which with our kids' ages, they really like going and being with their friends. And so I can get away with working for hours on Saturday and Sunday, right? There's nobody to stop me. (laughs) And so seeing myself do that, and even like Monday morning, I remember the day after Easter, like feeling ashamed of myself because I had, I'd spent hours on the computer on Easter. It's totally lame. It feels so embarrassing, (laughs) right? Like, why didn't I have something better to do? Also, Uh, Something I saw was this desire to be alone and like have the whole house to myself with nobody around, nobody wanting anything from me and feeling pretty unengaged and even bored in meetings, like not caring about what was happening in the meeting, which stemmed from just a general lack of ownership in the ministry, like being physically present. It wasn't like I was really skipping anything. I was there for everything. But just, just like clarify for some of our coworkers out there who feel yeah. bored in all meetings that they attend, <laughs> this is this is just this particular is like to Shaney. Shaney's normally pretty. Boredom. Yeah, Shaney's no, normally this, pretty engaged. I, no, I can get bored, but this was just like I don't care. Don't care at all. Yeah. Also, for some of our coworkers, that's normal for well, them to not care at all in a meeting. When you're also though in a leadership position, yeah. like if anyone in the room Tough. should care, then you probably should. Uh, Feeling very emotionally and relationally tired. We're in a season of a lot of goodbyes. Both of us have felt really tired relationally and kind of like, why does this have to be hard? Why do friendships have to be hard? Why do so many people have to leave? Just kind of having a bit of a pity party at times. Yeah. The old, not going to make friends anymore because it's so hard when they leave. Let's not do this. Yes. We had a date night where we kind of that in that for Mm -hmm. a minute. Very physically tired also. Like many days where it's like, I had a normal night's sleep, I think, but I just so want to go take a nap. And 
I really shouldn't be surprised by that because I'm very convinced that our emotional and physical health are very connected, but still at times just really wanting to go to bed. And being overly stressed about small things and like really micromanaging uh, finances, to-do list, cleaning, purging, decluttering, just nonstop. And then I think one of the sad things was how it affects affected my relationships, like really not caring about people, going to a coffee shop, spending time there, going home and realizing I didn't even see the server. Like I didn't even notice them and just how uncaring and unengaged that is. And then lastly, just noticing this craving for like good news before I go to bed, checking my phone, like maybe there'll be a, a nice message to cheer me up or something. I think feeling more fulfilled by verbal affirmation than normal. So those were some of the yellow flags. Do you have any to add to that from your position <laughs> that you saw? Um, wow. Well, since you asked, <laughs> yes, I have a list of 15 or 20 or so. No, I'm just kidding. I think just the things we've talked about in terms of how those are indicators for us. Like, yeah, you're not normally that way. You're normally a very motivated person. You're normally somebody who is caring as well. I mean, I think just anybody who knows you would affirm as you walk through those things that you're describing, that's very off pattern for you. That's just not your normal way of life. Yeah. And maybe another like concerning thing was just not even a desire to go spend time with God, kind of knowing that would probably help, but feeling bored with that at the thought of that or feeling like I would rather just get some tasks done. I think I just want to stop and talk to the listeners for a minute that maybe you're resonating with all these things and maybe you're like, yeah, that is where I'm at and I don't even feel the energy to do anything about it, you know, or I just want to check out and do whatever is easiest because I think that's kind of how I felt. And even in that moment at our team meeting, the Iron on Iron, I told my group, I don't even want to make a list of takeaways from this. I don't, want, I don't even want to have action steps because I don't feel like I have capacity for it. But if I were to make one, like best case scenario, my wish would be that this summer I would spend three extra hours with God every week. And when I said that, it felt like this big, terrible task. <laughs> I'm going to be bored. It's going to be hard, which is, again, not me at all. So I, I just want to say, listener, you could be there and that's okay. It doesn't mean like you're doomed to have to like go months to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think just to recognize the grace of the Lord in A, providing that iron on iron that we had planned just in our natural rhythm. And so you were there not because of some intentional plan that you made to no. resolve this, but the Lord graciously put you in the group that he did and provided that opportunity. And I think the Holy Spirit led you to speak about that. Yeah. Even to the thing, your takeaway of spending three hours a week, we had just heard, spent time with somebody who, oh, in right. their story, they were telling us about yes. a period that he had gone through where he just set aside like six hours a day or something. No, no, six hours a week. Six hours a week. It was That's two, right. three hour chunks a yeah. week. To just study the word and to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that that too was a, it was a, a motivation. Yeah. So it was just the grace of the Lord to kind of drop those things in there. So maybe just an indicator as well to you out there that you're not alone, even in your desire to get over it, or even in your recognition that, hey, I'm in a bad place. I need to get out of this. The Lord sees you and the Spirit is going to prompt you to things and He's going to provide ways uh, of escape. He's going to provide yeah. people that come alongside of you and are going to say, hey, 
what about this? Or have you tried this? Or maybe just are going to sit and listen to you yeah, and provide a, a space for you to speak. Right. Because speak, saying it out loud helps. Yeah. So I want to talk about five causes that I identified in my life and a biblical solution for each. So the first cause is that there actually are good and legitimate reasons to feel very tired and like you need a break. I felt like, oh, I'm feeling this way kind of for no good reason at all because my life's really good. But I just took a minute and wrote down all the factors. And it was really helpful because it just showed me, whoa, no, there have been a lot of things that have happened that are just hard, that if it had happened to someone else, I would have been very quick to affirm. And because I did that in the presence of God, God just ministered to me through it and just writing all those, typing them out helped me. It helped to like lighten my heart. We were talking about in church last Sunday, talking about the Psalms and how honest David and other writers of the Psalms are, where they recount the trouble that they find themselves in. And sometimes even they recount the sin that they have committed that led them to be in the place where they're at. We were kind of joking about it, but from people from our upbringing and background, you don't, you don't like whine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's seen as whining. Basically, yeah. that's seen as you being weak and you're always talking about what's going on and yeah. what's wrong in your life. And honestly, from that background, if you would read some of the Psalms, you'd be like, man, this guy's a whiner. Right. He Get over it. Thankful. Just stuff it down. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Just be thankful. But just the recognition that there are legitimate things that cause us. I mean, you look at the story of David and his life, there's legitimate reasons that he was crying out to God. And I think it is just good of us to sit back sometimes and recognize there's legitimate things that lead us to feel this way, that lead to despondency, that lead to a lack of motivation, that lead us to feel tired. And those are real. We had a 45-minute car ride together alone in the midst of this. And I started sharing some of this with you and sharing some of the list of reasons. And I was hesitant to, because again, I thought I was whining. But you actually added a couple things to my list, which was so freeing. It was so validating. Mm -hmm. Like it helped me to feel the freedom to express those things. And I think there's even an aspect of some of the things might be kind of small, but it's still like, Lord, I wish this wasn't a big deal to me. I wish I were stronger and I would just handle this more fluidly without it slowing me down, but I'm not. And so I'm still just going to go ahead and tell you about yeah. it. So listeners, I think many of you probably have a lot of legitimate things in your life. Death of loved ones in America, teammates leaving, physical sicknesses, maybe ministry partners betraying you, struggling children, too busy schedules, too many responsibilities, relational difficulties in teaming. I mean, just so many potential things. For most of us, it's actually usually a combination of several things all at once. So the solution, Jesse, you already said it, is use the Psalms as our pattern to be honest with God about our feelings. He wants to be our hiding place and he invites us. Psalm 62 says, pour out your heart before him. Just pour it all out. Make your list of the things that are making you feel tired or sad or unmotivated. And remember that Jesus understands. Hebrews 4 says, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. He can sympathize with our weaknesses. And he invites us to come to him boldly, 
to the throne of grace so that we can re- obtain mercy and grace. That's what he has to give us when we bring our list and we pour it out to him. And Psalm 103 says that he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. He's not expecting us to be more than that. And he is compassionate to us as a father to his children. Yeah. Just acknowledging that is so good. And following the guidance of the Psalms and the the writers of the Psalms before us is good for us to do. When we acknowledge our limitations, we acknowledge that Yes, we can't handle this. Yes, this seems like it's beyond us. I mean, where did we think? Why did we think that we could do all this stuff anyway? Yeah. And in the midst of ministry too, I think there's just this heightened aspect of a lot of the spiritual work that we do, a lot of us looking at a city of 25 million people, it's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And you add that in there as well. It's just like, we're not meant to be in charge of all that. Yeah, right. Who, Who would think that we could knock that out? Yeah. That's just not for us. And so the humble acknowledgement of our limitations as creatures and turning to him as our refuge, that is the way that we resolve that for ourselves. So my second cause we can go through quickly because we've already mentioned it, but it was just a failure to stop working and just be. Hard work is a biblical principle. We've talked about it so much on this podcast. However, When we cannot stop working, that is a big red flag that work has become an addiction slash an idol. And so here are a few benefits of regular rest. It is a forced break from any potential addiction to work or productivity. So when I didn't have that forced break over weeks and weeks and weeks, it just fed this addiction to constant productivity. Resting forces us to believe that we're more than our production. It requires faith that, oh, without me doing anything, I have God's approval. That's enough for me. I'm not a machine. There's more. There's so much more to my life than crossing tasks off the to-do list. I know that's so basic, but I think so many of us, we fall into it. it. I do. She loves it so much. It's so wonderful. But I also feel ashamed of it because I know there's so much more to life and it requires humility, I think, to rest because we have to even acknowledge God can handle all the things I'm not doing. I'm not that important. And it does affect our physical and emotional health when we work nonstop and nonstop work makes it impossible to have healthy relationships. You can't be a good spouse or parent if you're working nonstop or if you're like half engaged with your family. And a lack of inadequate sleep is going to just affect how you show up for all this work that you're doing. So you're like shooting yourself in the foot because you're like, you want to be so awesome at your work, but the fact that you're doing it nonstop automatically decreases your excellence level. Yeah. Right? The law of diminishing returns, right? That there's a, a point that you reach where you think you're putting in more and more, you're putting in more time, but your pro- productivity and your value and your happiness, all those things are actually going down. I think this also, this is your particular like addiction. I think the way that Mm -hmm. you put that was really good. This is yours and other people's particular addiction is work. But I think it's good just to acknowledge that there's, this addiction would manifest itself in other ways for other people. That where you are just giving yourself to work and fulfilling all these tasks, for other people may just get lost in social media 
and just scroll and scroll and scroll without stopping. Other people may get lost in an addiction of whatever, binge watching some TV show or any other type of addiction that people can turn to that's going to consume their time Right. that you need a rest from, that yeah. you need to just shut off and turn away from. True. And so just good to recognize as well, there's other ways that this manifests in other people's lives that are just as destructive, mm -hmm. just as effective at taking our eyes off the things that are most important, just as large an obstacle for us to building relationships with people. You're jumping ahead to cause number four. Oh, you need whoops. to slow down. <laughs> okay, it's true. That was probably very particular to my personality, and not everyone is that way. Some people are great at taking rests, you know? <laughs> so, so cause number three is a failure to pursue the Lord's presence. I want to like put five exclamation points on that mm. because this is like the silver bullet that we have to have. This seems obvious to me now, but again, in those weeks of lethargy and not caring, it wasn't obvious that a lack of excitement about life and work and ministry and all these things is probably tied to a lack in my relationship with God. Does that feel obvious to you? I was going to say duh, but I thought that <laughs> that might be a little rude to be recorded. Well, it's weird how it took me a bit to get there. I think I knew it deep down, but I didn't want to take the time. Yeah. to pursue that. And so James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That is a promise. And God has proven it to me a thousand times in my life. He is the wonderful counselor. And so when we come to him, he does supernatural things in our hearts. When we pour out our hearts to him, he helps us sort through problems and negative emotions. He speaks to us. He draws near. He comforts us. He also takes his flashlight and shines it on sin in our hearts that we need him to do. And he shows us foolish choices we're making. I feel like he's the one who showed me this nonstop work. Like, this is not wise. And he gives us wisdom for our lives and relationships. We all, as believers, know he's the only one who can fulfill us, right? He's the living water, he's the bread of life. And yet, we turn to other things besides him so often. And when we see that long list of stressors growing, our number one response should be to intentionalize extra time with God. We need to make that habit, right? Mm -hmm. So here's my challenge for every listener. Spend three extra hours with God this week. Every listener. I don't care who you are. I don't care what season you're in. <laughs> Spend three hours. We don't care about you. With God. Just get those three hours in. <laughs> with no other agenda except to meet with him and pursue his presence. Okay. So you can't catch up on your Bible reading. You can't like read your book you've been wanting to read. I mean, okay, I'm getting a little strict. God's going to honor wow. you just going to him. But. I know for myself, it's too easy for me to act like I don't have time for this or to make it harder than it is. But the truth that for me is I decide how I'm going to spend my time and I prioritize things that are important to me. And I certainly have time for this. And it was kind of silly for me to think that that would be so difficult. Okay, other people are in much busier schedules than me who have to get up early and go to work and they're gone like all day long. So 
I do have grace for that. Sorry, listeners, if I offended you. But I just want to encourage you. If you have to be drastic, get childcare or not go to something, then maybe you need to do Skip that. Church. <laughs> <laughs> Skip your life group. <laughs> but Satan, do I have to call it a quiet time? Can I call? No, it you can else? call it whatever you want. What okay. do you want to call it? Um, dude, time with God. I don't know. <laughs> yes, you can call it you, dude we'll time cut this with out God. Later. Okay, but Satan tries to make this seem like a big, difficult task, and I don't think it is. Psalm 62, pour out your heart before God. He is a refuge for us. And if you want to read Psalm 73 during that time, it's a a really great example of the psalmist coming to God, feeling kind of bitter and disappointed with life. Then there's this turning point in the psalm where he says, When I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. So when I went to the sanctuary of God, and then I discerned their end, and the psalmist is going from bitter and disappointed and confused to, okay, I finally went to the sanctuary of God, and God gave me discernment. And by the end of the psalm, he is saying, whom have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire besides you. For me, it is good to be near God. And that is where God is getting me. And that is how we should be. I want to encourage listeners, if you just feel like that is so not how you're living and feeling right now, then don't just ignore it. Go to the Lord and let him restore those feelings to you because those are true. And that is how believers should feel. Mm. I'm not saying every day, every moment, but that should be something we experience regularly, a feeling of there is nothing like God's presence. Yeah. And I think it'd be good to clarify, though, in the midst of this time, you were maintaining a daily time. I was. I had a daily quiet time every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, 99% of the days. Right. Yeah. I think it's just good to acknowledge maybe even for some of our listeners who may be in one of these spaces that it may be the case that they're not. Uh, I actually find, I think, as we're talking with more young people, I think that that's become more and more of a a challenge even for young people is kind of to marshal their attention for a particular time of the day that they're spending with the Lord, uh, where it's just set aside for prayer, for maybe worship, for reading the scriptures. And so just to think about that could be a really big yellow flag as well if that's not even present in your life. Yeah. And that that could be a big first step. Yeah, that's right. I mean, yes, a three-hour period might kickstart it. Maybe the challenge for those people is just to start spending 15 minutes a day with God, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that three-hour period, I mean, (laughs) not to take that away, but to say that could be a kickstart. That could be the reset that you need for that. Mm -hmm. But to really dig into that discipline as well, that over time, not that that's the the silver bullet either, because we can, again, to speak to your situation, we can be just kind of going through the motions with that, or things can be accumulating that we're not giving time to actually address in the midst of that time as well. But over time, that regular practice and habit of having daily time with him and pursuing his presence is so important, yeah, so I vital. Think, I feel like if you're feeling tired and unmotivated and you're not spending daily time with God, you should not be surprised. Okay. Cause number four out of five is idolatry in our lives. Okay. And this is like the other side of the coin of failing to pursue God. Our hearts 
are idol factories, right? And so if we're not pursuing God, we are pursuing something. That's for sure. Our hearts are not going to be neutral. And this is how much God just had his hand all over this process. The day of our team's Iron on Iron, one of my teammates thought she was returning one of my books to me, and it was not my book. I'd never seen this book, but it was a book called Idols of the Heart by Elise Fitzpatrick. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> exactly. Like, God sent me this book. And I love Elise Fitzpatrick. She's one of my favorite authors. So I was, like, really happy to get it. But I didn't know. I wasn't thinking, oh, this is going to help me get out of the season I'm in. But it really did. It the thing for many of us is that our idols are good things. And so we can get away with them much easier without anyone getting concerned or warning us or even without our, like we can just justify them really easily. An idol is anything that we're turning to instead of God to make us feel happy, worthy, successful. Satisfied. Satisfied. So when you feel bored or sad or tired, where do you turn? What's your quick pick-me-up? Do you busy yourself? Do you clean out your inbox or get to that next task like me? Do you turn to Netflix or YouTube like Jesse mentioned? Do you get out the spicy banana chips like Jesse does? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Calling me out. Dang. Do this you... is your, your deal, babe. <laughs> Do Stay you... in your <laughs> Do you scroll your social media app of choice? Do you just consume information nonstop, which is funny that we're like, abide in Christ, you know, but like if you're constantly listening and consuming information, how would you even have space to hear from God? I think the attention and just the inundation that people face these days of all these different voices from all these different sources of media, whether it's Instagram or news or YouTube or whatever, it just tons and how do how do people sort through that and how does god's words how does his priorities how does that remain central in the midst of that is a huge challenge i think for modern people i do too and this is something that i learned like 5 years ago that has continued to be a very powerful truth in my life is that anything when we turn to it instead of god no matter what the thing is, it becomes destructive. That's what the book of Isaiah teaches us. They don't feel destructive. Many times they feel good and harmless. Like who would criticize you for decluttering your house or cleaning out your inbox or listening to a Christian podcast? But when we turn to them to God, it's really bad because we're forfeiting God. We're forfeiting meeting with God. And one of the things that Elise Fitzpatrick said in her book that was so clarifying is that, let me read this quote, an integral part of false worship is learning how to get false gods to give us what we want. In essence, we make covenants with them, expecting them to bless us if we act in certain ways, such as, if I exercise daily and eat properly, I'll never get sick. This is what I found myself doing. It's like I was making an agreement. If I get all my tasks done, then I'm going to feel successful and worthy. If I declutter my house, I'm going to feel in control. That's what the deal we're making with this false God, because we're trying to get something from that God, right? 
The problem is they never actually fill us up. It just makes us want more. And it becomes a cycle of addiction. And again, the worst part is it keeps us from God, the most valuable being in all of the universe, the only thing that could satisfy us. And instead, we're turning to these low-hanging fruits for a quick escape. So in that moment, when we feel bored or tired and we turn to whatever our thing is, we're believing a lie in that moment. We're believing that if I turn to God, he won't meet me here. He won't make me feel better. It'll be too much work. We don't think he's going to be faithful to meet us where we're at. And instead, we're believing that Netflix will. Watching Jason Bourne is going to make me feel better, right? Sometimes. (laughs) It it does. Sometimes. (laughs) There's days. Okay. Let's be honest. Yes. So naming our idols is very powerful because it gives us awareness of what we're doing. And that is powerful. That's good. And as you already said, I think if we don't have any boundaries on technology and phones, then we we need to look at that. They're built to make us addicted. That's something that's maybe different um, in our time that's been different from idols that came before, is that they're so constructed, so much of social media or just things that are online are constructed to addict us. And what we're seeing is that people are actually portraying signs of addictive behavior on a mass scale that used to be just confined to people who were into drugs or something like that, that now it's like addictive behaviors are actually evident in Mm. the public at large and in our own hearts, let's be honest, you know, of just compulsively checking our phones or scrolling through, looking for the next thing, all these little dopamine hits that are training our heart and our mind to be addicts. That's what we're facing now. That's the world that we live in. And I, I just wonder if that's why there's so many people that say, I feel numb. I feel tired. Definitely. Compared to like a decade ago even. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Just numbness, tiredness, feeling overwhelmed, feeling like what might have been considered normal things or a normal amount of challenge just seems so kind of overwhelming. It's because we're inundated all the time. So here's the objective truth and solution to this. The Bible gives one answer to idolatry. Stop it. Tear it down. (laughs) Tear down the idols. I mean, truly, like this is very sobering. God doesn't take idolatry lightly. The first two commandments are about idols. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. And Matthew 22, 37 to 38 says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. This is the greatest commandment. God demands nothing less than our undivided love and worship. And so just a question for us to ask, are we loving him with everything we have? Or are we allowing other loves in our heart to distract us from him? Where are we turning instead of God? And just to encourage you all to ask God for strength and grace to take whatever step you need to fight those idols in our lives, and even to ask God to make you unsatisfied and disappointed with your idols, because that's really wonderful when he starts to do that and you start to lose your taste for them and they lose some of the power in in your life. Yeah, I think it's good to recognize that idolatry is a matter of the heart. And what we're talking about is really about your heart and what you ultimately desire and how your life and what you turn to shows what you're desiring. 
And so that as we're taking the step to tear down those idols, we have to ask God to change our hearts because our hearts are becoming trained to turn away from him. Mm -hmm. And habit over time does that. Mm -hmm. And so that there has to be another miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to pull our hearts back towards him. Mm -hmm. That's the work that only he can do. But we have a part by intentionally asking for that and pursuing it and recognize when our hearts are going astray and say, God, I see that my heart wants this, but I know that that's not right. And I know that you will be better. So Holy Spirit, work to align my heart with what I know is actually the right thing. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm. Well said. Yeah. All right. Last cause (laughs) is a failure to recognize the spiritual battle and fight back. I also realized in this season, and this was also as, as I was coming out of it and meeting with the Lord, I had fully kind of given in to I'm in a season of tiredness and numbness. I would feel it every day and I accepted it. I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. You probably heard me say that a lot. Mm. I feel unengaged. I'm tired of homeschooling. I'm tired of parenting. I would like you to take over the parenting 100% of this child. (laughs) (laughs) I just want a quiet house. Did I say yellow flag? (laughs) Yeah. And so... Obviously, we've already said we should acknowledge the hard feelings and say them out loud, but we also need to fight back at some point and consider, are we complaining because complaining is a sin? And are we being thankful because a lack of thankfulness is a sin? So I'm really thankful that emotional health has become a very popular topic. I've really benefited from a lot of books, becoming more aware of my emotions and learning to focus more on being than doing, all these things are really good. However, we have to always filter all that through the Word of God because setting boundaries and taking Sabbath rest and feeling your feelings and naming your feelings, those are not all. They can't do what what only God can do. And there's a spiritual battle, and Satan loves for us to focus on ourselves and think about how tired we are and never do anything about it. I want to just read a few commands of scripture that made me feel a bit ashamed as I was Uh-oh. in this season. In Romans 12, it says to let love be genuine, love one another with brotherly affection. Do not be slothful in a zeal. I read that verse in the middle of this season and thought, okay, what am I supposed to do? Just tell myself, stop being slothful in zeal, Shaney. You sloth. Feel- <laughs> stop being sloth. Be zealous. Go, heart, be zealous. Mm. Joshua 1, 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Be strong. God is telling us, don't be weak. Be strong. Do not be frightened. Philippians 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Do not be anxious, but pray about everything. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, all these wonderful things. Think about those things. These are all commands. And so there is an aspect of what do we do when we see ourselves failing at these commands, a lack of fervency, a lack of thankfulness. And so there is an aspect of this of just repenting and asking God for help and seeing it as a spiritual battle. So when the thought comes through my mind, I'm tired and I don't feel like parenting, (laughs) to think God is giving me the strength I need. And 
I do love people and mm-hmm. I do, I'm going to stir up f- feelings of genuine love instead of just giving myself mm-hmm. over into this apathy. Defeat. Defeat. Yeah. yeah. Now, again, I think some of that came as a fruit of me slowing down and spending some time with God. And I think it's a good thing just to remember that our actions, our obedience contributes to our heart posture. I think there's a, a myth out there that we have to get our hearts straight, straightened out first before we can obey, or else we're obeying kind of from the long, wrong motives or something like that. But that obedience plays an active part in straightening out our hearts, that oftentimes when we obey what is right, then that affects the way that our heart is. It affects even our affections and our feelings towards God. And so the I think the thing to differentiate it from is just busyness. Just go do something, maybe tick off the things that are on my to-do list. That's one way of activity that's not constructive, that doesn't form our hearts. But being obedient to these types of things that we see clearly in God's Word, that actually does correct our hearts and draw us to Him. Yeah. So I think we can end with just a few suggestions because I love lists. Mm. So we're going to give some to the listeners. (laughs) Get them out. For people to respond. We are human beings, not human doings. I don't know if you've heard that before. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Something as simple as praying before you engage in ministry, praying in the car on the way there, just helping yourself get into more ownership for it instead of just showing up and not having your heart engaged. So much of it is that, like you said, taking ownership and being intentional. I remember when we were doing some marriage counseling with some good friends of ours, and this has been several years ago now, but really every time we talked, they could boil down what they said to us to be intentional. Yeah. It's just, you have to take the steps. You have to be proactive. You have to recognize in your heart when you're not feeling the right things and pray to feel the right things Mm -hmm. and pray to do the right things that will bring that about. So much of parenting is be intentional, take the right steps. You have to be proactive and own it. That's right. I think we have enough steps for them and we can. (laughs) I think we're good. We covered a lot of stuff in the midst of it as well. So I just want to remind you as we close that you are not the source of the strength for all this, that Jesus Christ is. And the posture we can have as we turn to him is a posture of receiving. He is the strength for the beginning of this, the middle of this, the end of this, all the way through. And he is the reward to spending time with him. If any of this in this episode is resonating with you, I think you should take that as a sign that God wants to draw you closer Mm -hmm. and he sees you in whatever season you're in. And this is one little way that he might stir up your heart to take a step towards him, to draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. That's right. This could be like some of those conversations were for you or that book out of the blue was to you, the way that the Holy Spirit is opening these things up to you and reminding you and giving you a chance to turn back to him. So I'm going to close with an action step Okay. for people. Go take a nap. Amen. Go take a nap, people. Thank you. That was perfect. Then go spend three hours with God (laughs) after that. 